the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is episode 322 of the Boys of Deck for Friday the 13th of March 2015. Second Friday for the year. That's a 13. Yeah, that's right. We've already had another Friday the 13th. Yeah, last month. <laughs> yeah, good point. Thank you. That, that was my co-host, Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Always a pleasure. And I'm Edwin Herman. I think this is probably the first show that I've introduced myself second. <laughs> Well, that's what I get when I talk over your introduction. Uh, <laughs> uh, all good. Or all stumble right. over your introduction, as my fumbling <laughs> voice just did. All good, all good. All right, so uh, I wanted to kick off all, uh, with um, Office 365 is doing very, very well. Indeed it is. In fact, so much so that, shock horror, it has skyrocketed past Google Docs in the enterprise. Yep. Enterprise are backing Microsoft, not Google. Why is that? Because Microsoft has always been good in enterprise. So it's the history? Is that, is that, is that it's it? It's the history. It's the office suite. It's the interoperability. It is the sort of more known, experienced. More trusted, perhaps? Or yeah, is that not trusted. the right word? Yeah, more trusted. The, the compatibility and comparability between Office 365 and Office 2013. They've got the, the know-how. They've got the customer familiarity. They've always, you know, firmly rooted in the enterprise. And so, yeah, as a, a, an online document experience, it is a more familiar, more comfortable experience. I think the surprising thing is that in a survey taken in October 2014, it showed, and I know surveys can vary, but it showed that Google Docs was the most popular all round. Was Salesforce and Box the most popular at work? Mm-hmm. And now it's Microsoft Office at yeah. work. It's amazing, isn't it? Good news yeah. for Microsoft. You know, you know what, Brett? Many years ago, perhaps not even that many years ago, but certainly many years ago as well. You know, Microsoft were in a, a very different company. The product suite was was quite different. And mm. I never really liked the Microsoft products particularly, well, in general. That there was some. I mean, Office was generally pretty good all around, but yeah. a lot of the other stuff, uh, their operating system, uh, a lot of the other apps they have, and the integration, the way things, or didn't integrate. And their I, I just pricing and plan structures and oh, everything Oh, yes, else. that's right. Yeah, the price gouging and everything. Yeah. I, I, I didn't like it. And, you know, huh? sitting, yeah. s- sitting, in the <laughs> sitting in the Apple camp, I was quite happy. Now, I'm still happy in the Apple camp. However... I didn't dislike Microsoft because they were Microsoft and that because they were competitive to Apple. It was because I genuinely thought their product or found their products in general not as good, not as easy to use, not as user friendly. They've come leaps now, and bounds. 
Exactly. And this is what I'm going to say now. Like the, the, now, uh, the, the new stuff that's coming out from Microsoft, there is still some legacy stuff which I just balk at and I think, oh my goodness. But, in, you know, the new stuff that's coming out and the stuff they're, they're rewriting is brilliant. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Microsoft, I think, are now um, a, a, a much uh, nicer company as well, if I can use that word. Yeah. Much more onto it. Yeah. And more aware now of how things are and what people want. And they've they've changed. They, you know they they have changed um, to to match that. They have adapted to it. They, they have tried to force everybody to adapt to them because they've seen how poorly that comes across. That's right. Now there will be people, of course, who don't like Microsoft. And I think, in fact, I think Ben Sonko, who hosts co-hosts his show sometimes, I think he might be in that camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, <laughs> I don't know if you'll like me saying this, but I suspect he like he and and there are others like him that I think, I, I think people like them that don't like Microsoft because it's Microsoft as opposed to the fact that uh, for, for other reasons. Uh, would, mm. you, would you say Ben's in their camp? I, I would say, I mean, I feel like I'm talking behind his back, but we can talk to him about this one day <laughs> on the show. But I think, I, I get the feeling that's where he's at. And there are people like that that will not like Microsoft because they're Microsoft. And there are but equally, there are people that don't like Apple because they're Apple as opposed to... Mm. Whereas, uh, whereas I, I, my dislike of Apple is the way they keep doing things. They're confusing roadmaps. That can be a valid <laughs> that can be a valid valid viewpoint. And Indeed. so, you know, when it comes to Microsoft, I'm not on their camp. I, I like a lot of their new stuff. Most of the mm. new stuff I really like. A lot of the legacy stuff I still don't like and I don't think I ever will. Yeah. But, um, but then they've for a lot of their legacy stuff they've brought out new versions of it. And yeah, the way that yeah. they're pricing and, and doing things now is is quite you know, Modern. quite nice, I think. <laughs> yep, yep. You, let's talk about their, you know, their development suite, Visual Studio. Visual Studio used to be incredibly expensive and incredibly hard to get into. But now there are several different versions of it which are available for free and use. Yeah, yeah. For, for anything. It's, they're not mm. just like for education purposes. It's, yeah. And I think this has they've helped. Done a lot, they've done that a lot with a lot of their they're different offerings. It's, you know, it's a new company. <laughs> it is, it is. And you know what? Going back to the story about Google Docs, uh, well, Office 365 leapfrogging Google Docs, I think one of the things that Google, in my opinion, have never really mastered, they, I wouldn't say they're the worst at, but they certainly not particularly great at, is user interface and usability. Indeed. Feature-wise, yeah, the they do some cool des- stuff. User but, interface design for Google Docs, I... Hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. This is not a fan of. And so I think this, the this, if you like, this new Microsoft it has helped it. I think it's one of the reasons yeah. that because it, it's kept the familiarity. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think they they because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but do Google provide enterprise support? I don't know for Google Docs. No idea. Um, I, certainly Microsoft does and I think it comes down to that as well as you were saying, Brett. You know, Microsoft are very trustworthy. Enterprise trusts Microsoft. Uh, whereas Google Docs is kind of like the was the new boy in town, and it was always a little bit of you know yeah, shall the we or shall we? cowboy new boy in town. A little bit that way, yes, that's yeah. right. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, there you go. So I saw that story. Office three six five has absolutely skyrocketed past Google Docs. So, well, Google, you've got some work to do, really. Indeed. If you want to stay in that market, in that particular part of the market. Yeah. Throw some of your money at that instead of. Some of your other silly projects. <laughs> yeah, I think that's some um, good advice. All right, Brett. <laughs> now, another story uh, that you, in fact, posted uh, for discussion is 
something I don't even understand. You're going to have to tell me about this. This SSL busting code that... Yeah, well, um, Lenovo got in a lot of trouble because they were bundling this piece of code developed by an Israeli company called Commodia that basically installs itself as an SSL proxy that takes any HTTPS traffic that you use and passes it through itself using its own encryption and its own certificate to sign that encryption. So basically hijacking that SSL encrypted path so that any software that is including this piece of code can intercept and look through that traffic. So this is spyware? Yeah, it is spyware. One of the really bad things about this particular piece, this particular SSL hijacker that Commodia produced, is it uses exactly the same self-signed certificate on every single install of itself and every single use of itself. And a security researcher spent his time cracking it and it only took him three hours to crack it. And the certificate password is just Commodia. Really? Yeah. Really? And it is the same certificate that is used for every single installation and instance of the use of this piece of SSL hijacking code. And this significantly, significantly decreases the security of everything that happens on that computer. Because every because it installs itself as an SSL proxy, everything that uses SSL encryption, every single HTTPS piece of traffic that you do on the internet is funneled through this proxy. And you wouldn't know, would you? read by whatever You'd have no idea. And you have no idea. Mm. And a lot of the applications that use it, there have been been found, 14 different applications have been found using this Commodia SSL hijacking code. And most of those applications are incredibly difficult to uninstall. When you uninstall it, it doesn't remove all of it a lot of it stays hidden there and still functioning. So what, what does this mean for, for people and with these laptops? One of the what, what's... that were found using this particular piece of code developed by Commodia was a Trojan, an actual malicious program. Ah, uh, no, I see where you're going. Okay. Mm. Designed to steal your information. And we're talking about everything that goes through HTTPS on an infected computer. So all of your banking information, all of your tax information, medical, personal, everything, work, <laughs> everything that uses SSL encryption is basically hijacked, encrypted using this simple self-signed certificate without your knowledge and passed on. So what's the solution for owners of these laptops? For Lenovo laptops that mm. have been sold with this installed, Lenovo has actually provided, because the Superfish software itself was incredibly difficult to uninstall, uh, Lenovo did provide a tool to allow you to fully remove the Superfish software. But hang on, Brett, let's be clear though, right? Superfish itself poses no security risk. Superfish software itself includes this software, includes this code. So yes, it does. Regardless of what the Superfish CEO has said, because I believe he has come out with a statement. He, he has come out, yeah. Yes. It does not lower, you know, it poses no security risk. It 
does pose a significant security risk because not only does it install an SSL proxy, which hijacks all of your SSL traffic, it uses a certificate, a self-signed certificate from Commodia that has a password that is now known by everybody on the internet. <laughs> so anybody who has Superfish on their computer your computer is now significantly less secure than it was when Superfish was first installed on it, and that made your computer already significantly less secure than it was before. So what did this you, what, is a horrible, insidious yeah. piece of software. This piece of code that Commodia developed is marketed as SSL hijacking code to bypass secure sockets protections. That is what they marketed as. And its so, entire purpose is to defeat HTTPS protection so that they can either steal your information if it's being used maliciously or so they can steal your information and target ads at you even on hmm. encrypted connections. I, it was it was for ads though, wasn't it? Indeed, Superfish use it for ads. But still, it is bypassing somebody else's encrypted connection to do it. Yeah. So surely there's some dodge going on there. Yeah, it doesn't sound yeah, exactly. I wouldn't trust that. So Brett, what did you say the solution was for Lenovo owners of these particular Lenovo laptops with the software on it? Well, they can download a tool off of Lenovo's website. There's also and, a and so um, that removes it, but a lawsuit currently going on against Lenovo because of is that right? Because of this. So and to add to the your paranoia about um, having any of this Commodia uh, technology installed on your computer, there have been documented findings published outlining rootkit technology also within the Commodia code that allows it to remain hidden from key operating system functions. Mm, it's so it installs it, it, itself <laughs> as a hijacker of it and hides itself so that your computer doesn't know it's there. It's looking shadier and shadier. It is incredibly shady piece of code that this company is selling to other companies to use in incredibly dodgy ways. Now, Brett, to be fair to Lenovo, is it, well, con is it conceivable that they had no idea? Quite properly how this adware software. Yeah, because I can just imagine they would have been sold this thing like, come on, we'll do this deal, right, guys, come on, we've got this, yeah, this software that serves up ads. as a piece of software that helps people find things that they might want. Yeah, yeah exactly, targeting ads. and yeah. So Lenovo may not have, I mean, they didn't ask the right questions either, but, Indeed. They, they, but by the same token, they weren't necessarily complicit in, in this, uh, no, no, you know. They were just they may have been duped. making deals for money yeah yeah exactly and they got caught Indeed. by this one it was not a user experience thing nobody needs more ads <laughs> it was purely a way for them to make money mm. <laughs> they, you, yeah uh, i i have not seen any evidence any research whatsoever that has shown that more ads is beneficial to the human race <laughs> or beneficial purely to your usage of your computer no, of course not. But it's it's a way that companies can make money. Indeed, and and it's, it's, it's something been that, that just we, sounds silly to be bundled 
on a computer that you've already paid money for. So the company's already made money from you. Yeah, but how different is it to magazines? You buy a magazine, so you've paid for it, but it has ads as well. Yeah, yeah. Or newspapers. Uh, the answer, the answer. Magazine, Ed. Sorry? A computer that you've just paid several hundred dollars for is not a magazine, Ed. No, I realise that, but all I'm saying is that there are products out there this that, proliferation of that, that bundling ad papers things is, is insidious and should mm. stop. Yeah, the, the, it's the way it's done is is not good. And can can you, uh, presumably, you can also do a complete reformat and install from scratch if you want to install something like Linux or whatever. Yeah, yeah, if you want to install an alternate operating system. Mm. Of, unfortunately, with most modern laptops and things, you only get system restores. To yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, and so once you've spent all of your t- – unfortunately, if you have one of these Lenovo laptops pre them getting in trouble for it and removing it, if you do a system restore or a, a full, you know, reinstall from their restore partition, uh, you're going to get all that crud back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. So be wary of that mm. if you're one of the people with that because I, I, I don't know if this tool that Lenovo has – released will remove it from the restore partition as well yeah yeah i i can imagine it probably won't <laughs> but, but it's this who, kind who of knows? insidious I, thing it's mm. there is only a negative implication from this technology that commodia has created and is selling there is no legitimate case for it for something that hijacks what is supposed well, to be. Well, I, I suppose in their well, I suppose in their view, it's a way of. I mean, how do you target ads to people if more and more of the web is HTTPS encrypted? Because you don't know what they're looking at. And you sell it to the sites that are actually providing the HTTPS content. Look, I'm not saying they do. They provide the ads. You I, don't have third-party interception and provision of ads. I, I agree. That is just I, an insidious money stream. I, I agree it's not nice. But security risks to everybody. Surely there is a piece of legislation somewhere in America's draconian DMCA stuff, digital millennium copyright, etc., about reverse engineering things, which says that the interception of encrypted transmissions is illegal. Because in theory, isn't that wiretapping? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I mean, uh, where does that put proxies? I mean, it's hard to comment on that without being a lawyer. But I know, I, know, I hear but what you, I hear what you're saying. Aren't supposed to cache secure transmissions anyway. What about a uh, an H- HTTPS H- proxy? HTTPS is supposed to go straight through a proxy, isn't it? Uh, you're yeah. not supposed to get mm. a cached version of something that's encrypted through HTTPS. Mm. You're supposed to only get the live direct. Context. Look, look I, I agree. It's it's not a very nice way of doing it, but I'm just saying it, it, it's a solution, not a good one, but it's a solution as the company saw it to finding out what people are looking at when more and more of the traffic's HTTPS. And they, they should be making, if you want to be advertising, you should be making deals with the content providers and the websites themselves, not yeah. with some mm, third would be part better. that is using incredibly unethical measures of hijacking what is supposed to be secure encrypted transmissions mm. that should be illegal okay let's and if it's not already covered within the draconian dmca as it is it mm. probably damn well is in fact 
But of course, nobody's going to be able to go after them because they're not a US company. But any US company that happens to be using that, such as, oh, wait, Lenovo. Um, Le- Lenovo's not US. No, it's not US, but it has a major corporate presence. Oh, yeah, it's, sorry. Yeah, so it, that, yeah correct. US yep. corporate law, aren't yep. they? Yep. Which is why they're currently being sued hmm. for this, for providing a security risk to their customers. Okay, Brett, look, what we're going to do is move on and talk about... It's wrong. Don't do it. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about this uh, this other story that you posted you want to talk about, an exploit in a uh, weakness in DRAM. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cool because it's like it's, it's not something you can patch because it's a physical... It's hardware. It's a physical weakness hmm. in the way that a, a lot of um, DDR3 RAM modules are just made. So, Brett, explain this before we go into it. Explain this to our listeners about the, the, the way the, the mem- how close the memory bits are and the bit flipping. Explain yeah. it to us so, and then we can talk about it. What this neat thing does, what this neat exploit does is by creating a process that is non-privileged, that is getting access to bits of RAM, right? Certain bits of RAM... Uh, hold key pieces of information, things that allow you to have, you know, super user access, for instance. But that is in a protected piece of RAM that no other non-super user program can get access to. But what these researchers have discovered is that if if you can work out where that piece of RAM is, you can get a non-privileged piece of software to do an attack, which is called bit flipping, on pieces of RAM that are near the mem- you know, the piece of RAM that you want to actually manipulate, but you can't actually touch. But they've worked out that if you bit flip fast enough in these adjacent pieces of RAM, the because of the, the physical makeup of the RAM, the closeness of these components and the electrical bit flipping going on, you have an actual influence on the other piece of RAM and you can cause that piece of RAM to flip as well. So the, the, you you, we're talking about the electrical bits. change yeah. by having massive numbers of electrical changes happening near it. So we're and talking about the happened, bits that are, are physically housed very, very close, like yeah. a na- neighbouring. Indeed. Neighbouring bits. Neighbouring physical parts of your of your DDRM, and I just thought it was so cool. Well, you said it for at the beginning. You, you nailed it. How do you patch something physical like that? Yeah, you, you can't, can't patch, patch it. You can't patch hardware. It is a weakness in the hardware itself. Yeah. It means you have to replace that piece of hardware. Exactly. But one of the other neat things I've read about this um, and wanted to talk about is that, so they've known about bit flipping for ages, but... Some researchers have recently shown two different ways that you can actually exploit that in the wild to actually provide super user privilege. On a machine. On a machine, in the wild. So they've mm-hmm. shown that this weakness, they, you know, the weakness was found previously but now some researchers have shown that this weakness can actually be exploited in the wild it, in software. It's not just theoretical. It's not just a theoretical weakness anymore. It is an actually exploitable weakness. Neat. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder where, where, what, what we do. 
doesn't it? Yeah. What do we well, know about it? Apparently, ECC the, the latest generation of DDR4 is not susceptible to this. Yeah, I saw that. No, I don't know why. It must be the way that the silicon's actually structured. Mm. But the other thing is, if you use ECC certified RAM, yeah, ECC. it's also not protected. Yeah. It's, all, you know, it, it's not vulnerable. It, not vulnerable, that's exactly. What, that's what you meant. Because it has all of the extra layers of actually checking for errors. <laughs> so mm. it will you know, do as the name entails. It will error check. That's brilliant. I'm glad you posted that story because I hadn't seen that one. And I, as you said, it's different to the usual stuff, which is, uh, you know, there's a bug in, in this piece yeah, of code. It, exploiting a vulnerability in, in a underlying driver or yeah, a, a device firmware. This is actually exploiting a weakness in the physical makeup. Physical makeup, yeah, exactly. That's cool. And I thought, well, it's it? not cool, but it's Because most cool. people don't buy ECC RAM. No. It's like none of the RAM in my computer is ECC. But don't you have to have a, mother- a motherboard that's more expensive? And don't you have, a, have to have a motherboard that supports it or do... And you have to have a motherboard that supports it, yeah. exactly. Mm. Mm. But it just goes to show you, if you are running something which, you know, has um, sensitive information on it, You've got to protect yourself hardware-wise as well because, you know, most secure facilities will have intrusion detection systems on the physical cabinets. But this also shows that those facilities should also be making sure that they're using ECC RAM in their systems as well. Now, to be fair though, Brett, to, to run an exploit like that though, you would need physical access to the machine. Well, you would need to be able to run or a run process. Or run a process, yeah, execute a process, which but could be remote. the process does not have to be privileged how many right. systems do you have or do you know of that you can run non-privileged systems non-privileged yeah, yeah exactly on? and more importantly brett here's the other thing if there is a vulnerability in any software layer like the firmware the os the apps that could be used to execute code that then exploits this hardware vulnerability indeed so it's indeed. only as good as so you know physical access is one thing but if you've got a software vulnerability then it's as good as Precisely. Mm. And it is what sort of level of vulnerability in your software you have. Because certain certain ways to, well, certain ways that they've shown that this exploit can work is either as a actual process, a normal process, uh, non-privileged process running on the computer. But they also showed it as a working as a native client module that they ran inside Google Chrome for this instance, for their test. So they showed that they could use a client module of a browser to initiate this attack, as well as a actual process running uh, on the computer itself. Oh, interesting. Mm. Um, But obviously the the ones running physically on the, the ones running as normal processes uh, will have more access to do things because the ones running as modules within another environment, such as this um, native client module that they had running in Chrome, because it's running within a different environment on the machine, the software that is forms that environment can be patched to fix this sort of vulnerability. So, for instance, Google Chrome, once they had been shown the vulnerability, they became aware of the exploit, they changed Chrome to disallow the use of one of the instructions that was used for this exploit. Oh, okay. As a way to as a way prevent to it stop, from him. Yeah. yeah, as a way mm. to prevent modules running within their system having that sort of impact on the uh, on the, the actual physical machine that they were running on. So 
So it, it can be patched somewhat in some ways that it's executed, but anything that allows to run as a native a native process is not obviously going to be able to be patched because native processes need that sort of access to memory. Mm. Yeah, nasty. I'm glad you. Yeah. I'm glad you raised that one because but really cool. Yeah, I know. Really cool from a, a How to technical aspect. A, yeah. a a flaw in a physical design of a piece of hardware to be able to run super user privileged processes. I'd say those sorts of vulnerabilities are few and far between. Yeah. Hmm. And being able to use what is a theoretical floor and then you know have a it and, actually and, and exploit for yeah. it yeah yeah exactly all right Brett, look let's end it there that was episode 322 unless you want to raise anything else no all right that'll that'll be it then that is 322 all wrapped up brett want to thank you very much for co-hosting always a pleasure it's been good and uh we'll do it again next time until then have yourselves a great weekend see you on the other side of the weekend take care goodbye ciao